Many times I have mentioned that my background in the disciples was not biblical at all. I knew uh, that the Church of Christ, they studied the Bible. The Baptists, they studied the Bible. They would have contests within the Sunday school classes. They would have them with the different churches. Who can find the scripture the quickest, so on and so forth. But they were biblically based. In Lubbock, I was a member of three Christian churches. Not a single one of those churches were what I would refer to as biblically based. When y'all invited me to come over here, I was in Slayton, and I would not refer to them as biblically based either. But the very first time I came here and I saw that you were using NIV study books in all of the adult classes, that put a big smile on my face. We need to understand the Word of God. It is critical, especially in the word world today. We need to read and study. We need to be students of the Bible. It is one thing to, to fill up the congregation on Easter. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. But we need to understand the Bible. We need to know more than the Jesus Christ was crucified and the resurrection. We need to understand more than that. There's a lot more to the Bible, and we are being challenged as Christians more today than I've ever seen. Not necessarily here in Quanta. We're in a very comfortable area, you might say. But if you were an artist, say like you were in movies, or if you were in singing, your contracts may depend on whether or not you spoke up for Jesus Christ. If you were um, a host on a news uh, show, it may depend whether or not you were a Christian or not and whether you spoke up in behalf of it. People's jobs are being uh, destroyed because they stand up for Christ. Uh, and of course, then we see the rest of the world we, we see how shattered they are and how Christians are being beheaded. And there's many other like hangings and so on and so forth over in the, the uh, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan part of the world, even India. It's, it's tough. But Jesus never told us it was going to be easy. He never told his disciples it was going to be easy. And it depends on the conviction you personally have. And how solid is your footing? Is it on the rock? Or are you standing in the sand? It's very important that you know in your very being that I am standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. Students, we're talking about both Mary and uh, Jackie's kids being in school, recently out of college and so forth. It's, it's lined. The colleges are filled with very liberal thinking instructors. Very much so. The movie God is Not Dead, there was no accident that that came from a college campus background. Those situations happen not only today, but they also happened back in the Stone Ages when I was there. I'll give you an example. My freshman year at Tech, 
in my English class, this lady took great joy in taking shots at Christians and Christianity and how feeble their stand was. She would mock Easter, the symbols. She would mock the, uh, the reverence of, the, of that part of the year or the, the reverence of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. She would just make stipping little uh, tidbits here and there, little shots across the bow, but you got her message over a period of a semester. Toward the end of that semester, it was the end of the semester, we had a final paper to write. And she was going to give us topics. I'd had enough. I'd had enough. So the night before, I did some research. Understanding, I did not really have a good grasp of the Bible. But I did know that there were things said in the Old Testament that were also lived in reality in the New Testament. I knew that there were the prophets. So I went to work the night before. And when we sat down and she gave us subject matters, I paid no attention to them. So I could have gotten an F on it. That was okay. Uh, you know, that would have been all right with me. But I went to writing. I wasn't cheating. I didn't have my notes with me. I went writing just like all the other di uh, students did on their papers. And I was trying to say, well, I started it off, if I remember correctly, I am tired of the shots that are being taken at Christianity. And then I went to stand for what I could defend. I know in retrospect, it was a very sophomoric, or in this case, freshman paper. My... My uh, stand was, was nothing that Billy Graham or anybody of any intelligence, that's why I just loves me, uh, changing hairspray tonight. Uh, but uh, it was nothing, uh, you know, that you would want to hang on your wall or anything. Uh, matter of fact, she did not hand back a single paper to the whole class. And that was supposed to be an important paper for all of us. And I really believe the reason she did, she didn't want that confrontation with me. So she let it go. That is not the only time that I have been challenged as far as a Christian. And people mocking it. How can you believe in that, that silly stuff? How can you believe those words that were written over thousands of years ago. How can you believe that? What basis do you have to stand on that? And I believe that it is your responsibility and my responsibility that we grow. We grow as children of God in that. Most of you, as I look through this room, you're in Sunday school every Sunday. You're studying it. And you have been studying it. So you have a good foundation. But as Christians, we don't ever know when we are going to be challenged by somebody. And if they do, it's in your face kind of deal. You know, it might even be a yelling match. So, you know, kind of dig your, head, your heels in and be prepared. But also be prepared with the word of God. Tonight, I would like to give you some information that's just a tip. It's like on the... Uh, 
the tip of a needlehead, just a very small tip of some information that I felt like can be used in those situations. And I could have gone on and on and on, and I could have lasted a lot longer than your backside could. So I am going to make it a little bit shorter. This morning, oh, uh, Gerald, when he left, bless his heart, he always gives me some fodder for the services. And he says, you notice the pews aren't full, so you don't have to give us the whole load. <laughs> so I am mindful of that. I am not going to give you the whole load. But maybe it's enough of a teaser to make you want to research it. Or maybe it's enough teaser that you'll say, hey, Wayne, can we study a little bit more of that? How about us having a, a class at a certain, certain time that we can dig into this? Let's look at it from this standpoint. Again, when I grew up, we were reading books by different authors, Christian authors, and we were studying the books. You know, how to get along on your first date as a Christian. I don't know, something like it. Something really profound. And I always wondered when I was going to have my first one. Um, so I'm going to give you some something that would, would be grounds for you in your studies. Something that would be of use to you as you study and as you grow with meaning. And the meaning is you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged. But Christianity, they're not the only ones that are challenged. Mathematicians are challenged. Uh, uh, news commentaries, they're challenged. So, you know, it's okay at times to be challenged because you grow stronger and stronger in your faith. When the metal is tested, it becomes stronger, just like steel under fire. It makes it stronger. And it's not that I'm wanting to be in some kind of uh, give and take in the middle of United Supermarket, I promise you. But I'd like to have some guns loaded. These are very short, but it gives you an idea that we are basing our information on the Word of God. And you know right away they're going to say, why? The Word of God has no meaning. The Word of God was written. It's, it's just fiction. Well, let me help you with that. There's 66 books in the Bible. And they were written over 50, pardon me, 1,500 years. About 40 different authors. The authors did not know each other. Sure, the Gospels, well... Not all of them were uh, disciples of Jesus, but those that were of the 12, they knew each other, yes. But they're scattered out. And these other ones, like Paul, he eventually met some. But the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we have discussed it before, just, just smoothed across it. The Old Testament, getting with Genesis, is laying the, the groundwork for the Messiah. As we were reading about the prophets, they're predicting that it's going to be a Messiah. So it is like the introduction to a long movie. And all of these authors don't know each other. They don't have copying machines. They don't have text machines. It is very difficult to do, but you see in there that there is a common thread of predicting the coming of a Messiah. There will be a Messiah. Those that Jesus sent, or Jesus and God sent, we're predicting it, and then the fulfillment of it. Matthew, the 24th chapter and the 35th verse. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
in some countries, you will be ex executed if you even own a Bible. I talked to a person that was in Afghanistan, this probably was 15 years ago, and they could not hand out any literature. They could, and they were there as Christians, they were there as missionaries to share the word of God. But they could not have any literature or it was a death sentence even then. We don't hear about that as often. We know of the two young ladies that were over there as missionaries from Baylor and they were arrested. And at first there was the talk about the executing of them and eventually they were released. And they were speaking just as strong as ever about Jesus Christ when they got over here. Being in prison did not quieten them one little bit because they were speaking for the Lord and their Savior, even under the pressures of, of the uh, Iranian government. In the book of Mark, the 14th chapter, and I'm going to begin with the uh, 61st, 61st verse. And the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty, of the mighty One and coming, and coming on the clouds of heaven. He knew what was at stake when he answered that question in that manner. You know, when the religious leaders were... Uh, interrogating him they were trying in any way and every way to get him to say a message like that because that was blasphemy that was blasphemy for anyone to say that they were the son of God and further there's more in here that I'll share with you on the I am this is blasphemy and again that was the only thing and it still is, but that was the only thing that they could execute, they being the religious leaders for, and that went all the way on back to the Old Testament. But blasphemy was an offense in which they could be, uh, their lives could be taken. But Jesus answered it straightforward in a way that there was no misunderstanding. I am. In John, the fourth chapter, the 23rd verse, and this is Jesus speaking. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father, the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshiper, worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. The woman said, and y'all know where this setting is. I know that. I know that Messiah. I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to, uh, to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am him. She was one that would recognized Jesus quicker than some of the own, his own disciples would recognize him that he was truly the uh, he was truly the the, uh, the son of God I was going to try to find another one real quickly but I always get in trouble when I do that um, 
John 8th chapter, the 12th verse. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Light of life. The followers of Jesus Christ will have the light of God with them. We will not walk alone in a dark world. And yet, under persecution, we can feel very much so that it was a dark world that we lived in in every which way. But uh, the courageous will be able to stand just as the first century Christians did. will stand for their Lord and Savior. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus goes on to say, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Proclaiming that he is our Lord and he is our Savior. Again in book of John, the 8th chapter, the 51st verse. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. I have no idea how many times I've used that in funerals. I would like for every one of the family members to know that the body has been laid to rest, but the spirit still lives. No one can kill your spirit. That spirit will live and it will live and it will live forever. The spirit will live for those that believe in Jesus Christ. Others will die, most surely, but not those that are believers in Jesus Christ. In the 56th verse of the same uh, chapter of uh, John, that's John 8, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. In other words, Jesus is saying he was even there before Abraham was. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. And he was with, with the Father at the time that Abraham was given his instructions to leave home and to begin a new nation. Jesus Christ was, and he still is. C.L. Lewis said in one of his writings either Jesus is Lord or he is a liar or he is a lunatic he's either Lord liar or lunatic that's your decision to make I can stand here and talk and talk and talk and you may not be convinced because I am using the word of God as my source. And of course, the skeptic would say it has no value. You have to come better than that. The Gideons 
have distributed 1.9 billion Bibles. 1.9 billion Bibles. United Bible Scripture had 633 million scriptures, not the whole Bible. They take certain scriptures. I don't know, maybe you, I have a study area in which I have key scriptures for myself. And they have used scriptures, and they are saying 633 million scriptures were sent out in the year 2000 alone. The governments of Iraq, Iran, ISIS, they are killing Christians by the thousands. But they will not kill Christianity. They will not kill the Holy Spirit. Beheading an individual that believes in Jesus Christ will not stop the movement. In the time of the, the, the big... Uh, it was in Rome, their amphitheater, the, the shows that they would have, I forget the exact word, but in there, when they would turn the lines loose on the Christians for everybody's entertainment, all those Christians had to do was to deny Jesus Christ. That's it. And they go home. How strong would I be? I mean, I'm looking over there at that big hungry line, and I said, wait a minute, let's talk about this again. You're saying that all I got to do is say, I'm not sure about Jesus. And if I say that, I don't have to go in that, that arena with that big hungry line. Well, let me think about it a little bit more. What would you do? It's easy while we're sitting in a pew and it's lit and now it's comfortable. It's easy to say, sign me up. I'll go to the front. Oh, really? There's a plane leaving for Iran and they're in need of people working in the soup kitchens and people that'll pray with, uh, with those that are homeless. Still want me to sign you up? You ready? We'll get it going. There are places in which you can witness all over the world. But I really recommend that the children of God do a lot of missionary work right here in the United States. I've got a very brave young lady as a friend that last year she was in the darkest parts of Africa telling people about Jesus Christ and they had no idea who even Jesus was. She felt that was her calling. And you have read what has happened to people in the darkest part, especially young ladies. And she went there. Well, this year she's going to India. And India is not a real favorable place, but it's better than the other. And she is a brave person, and she has the love of Jesus Christ, and she can't wait to tell. But I do know of individuals like our church that have missionaries go to Indian Reservation in Gallup, New Mexico. There's still a mission right here. There's parts of this, this country. Dave Clark's oldest son lived in one of the toughest parts of Dallas. He was covered with the tattoos. He had the earrings. He fit in real well, except he was white, and he was never bothered. But while he was in that community for two years, he taught the word of Jesus Christ. There are places today that we need to be sharing and we have 
when I flew to New York and then there was a cab driver that took uh, the three of us that were flying together to a hotel and we were going to catch early flight out the next day for Israel. This cab driver did not even know who Jesus was. I don't remember where he was from, but it's the first person I ever met that did not know who Jesus is. I told him I was going to Israel where Jesus uh, lived and taught, and he says, who is Jesus? And then while I was over there, then I met someone else working in one of the hotels, and they said, who is Jesus? It's hard for me to imagine because until that experience, I never talked to anybody that did not know who Jesus was. Most people had their opinion, yes or no, but they knew who Jesus was. What did I tell him? I told him that uh, Jesus, that's a good question. <laughs> that really is. You know, I only had a few minutes with him and we had broken language. And uh, I did tell him that Jesus was our savior and that we worship Jesus. And it was about that short too. I don't know those are exact words, but you caught me off guard just like he did. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. And anybody else has any questions, go ahead. Take advantage of me. <laughs> I'm 72 years old. My mind's not too sharp, but don't let that bother you. No, not that I know of. I went up my way and she went hers. No, but she wasn't really, she wasn't wanting the confrontations. Not in Lubbock, Texas. She would have, uh, she wouldn't have had a good experience. But if she was in Berkeley or Pennsylvania, you know, they'd have, they'd have given her a round of applause. But no, she was there the next semester. I knew that, but I, my major was finance, so I wasn't even in the College of English. You know, I, that was a required course. You wonder how, how the poor you hired that woman, like they hire liberals, Bill. I mean, it's amazing. It's almost like you put it on your application. I am a liberal, and I don't believe in uh, the Constitution, and I don't believe in Jesus. And so, oh, we want to hire that person. The campuses are covered with those individuals on the liberal side. They've infiltrated it left and right. Yes, Jackie? Yeah, and he profounds that faith. Yeah. So, you know, I appreciate you asking that, Lurleen, because. I, no, no, I'm serious because I didn't know, you know, he caught me off guard. I've never known anybody didn't know who Jesus was. So in a short period of time, what do you tell them? You know, there's not much chance you're going to convert them, but you ought to let them know, you know, this is a special, this is a special dude. This is a guy you need to get acquainted with, but you don't have time to have that kind of lengthy discussion. But that was a very good one. It was something about like that. No, he was from another country. I'm not sure if it was Haiti or what, but he was over here from another country. You have a lot of those people like that that are driving taxi cabs. We do. The Bible Belt? The Bible Belt? Yeah. We do. We're, we're really very protected, but again, if you got into the some parts of Dallas, San Antonio, uh, 
Houston, you would find, uh, certainly Austin, I've known some of those. I had some of those move from Lubbock down there, and I was Lubbock's benefit, and it was, uh, as far as I was concerned, Austin's loss. But uh, they, they had a lot of company down there. I want to share with you one other story, and this will make you proud. There was a young man in our church that um, has been here, I don't know how many years, but he's been very involved in the church, church activities. He's been a part of the youth program, uh, mentoring, and been part of our youth programs when we've had Youth Sunday. But he's been very involved. And his family has always been involved with the worship of Jesus Christ. And he was at a worship service in Wichita Falls. And someone was talking to him, kind of like um, the experience I had with um, in our ministerial uh, alliance not ministerial lights, but our ministerial association for the uh, High Plains area of disciples. When Chuck Fisher brought us in, one of those liberal professors that said he was a Christian, said he wasn't sure about the crucifixion or the birth uh, and the miracles. He thought he must have been a magician. He must have been real charismatic. You know, I really wanted to. Li I really wanted to listen to that guy. And uh, so this church in. Uh, in Wichita Falls had a minister somewhat like that. And Daisy Duckton says, I'm out of here. He said, this is going to be embarrassing, the guy he's sitting next to. He says, it's embarrassing sitting here listening to this guy. But they bring him right into the church house. Chuck Fisher brought him right in there. There was 15 or 20 of us uh, impressionable uh, individuals all of us had a different background. One's construction, one's electrician, I was insurance, all of that kind of stuff. But none of us were Bible students. And he's bringing a guy in from Tennessee, somewhere over in there, with a PhD, author of books, and he's going to teach us. Well, you're somewhat intimidated because of all of his degrees. And you're thinking, well, maybe I missed this boat. But that doesn't sound right. But they bring them in, the liberals bring them in, and they try to indoctrinate you and change you to their way of thinking. Satan is at work. Within the churches, definitely. There's a lot of church, there are a lot of churches that have lost members because they will not stand up on the word of God as a denomination. And our church is one of them that has. But there's been other ones too. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody tonight, so I'm not going there. But there are denominations that have turned their back on the word of God and their, their numbers have been dwindling. And you see these praise and worship church, churches that are totally 100% for Jesus Christ and theirs are going up through the roof. Anyone else have any more? You need to be very proud of that young man. Yeah. And he got it and says... He should be ashamed or embarrassed just to be uh, saying what he's saying here in the house of the Lord. And Daisy, correct me if I'm wrong, I have been before, probably tonight, but uh, that he, he's walking out, then he heard some other footsteps step behind him, and some of the other boys followed him. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. Uh, I've shared with y'all that I had a very, very good friend that was Catholic. He was 72 and now thinking, now I'm 72. But he was 72 at that time 
And he didn't even own a Bible. He was a Catholic. I'm not bashing Catholics. But he went to church and the priest did all the teaching. And they, he didn't even own a Bible. He didn't study it. He just took whatever the priest said. And that was the gospel. And of course, you know, he forgets and other people forget. But he did that forever. And I gave him a Bible on his 72nd birthday. And it almost brought tears to his eyes. And I talked to a guy when I was doing a funeral in Lubbock maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, I don't know. But he had done the, the uh, funeral for that individual. And one of the first things he showed uh, the guy that did the funeral before he passed away, he showed him the Bible I gave him. So uh, I was pleased at that. Maybe I made a little difference. And uh, we as Christians can do it a little bit at a time. And uh, thank you, Lord, for every opportunity. But Daisy had the courage to step up, and there were others that followed him that did not have the courage until he stepped up. But I'd like to thank each one of us if we're sitting in a congregation where someone is uh, is teaching that kind of trash, we'll have the courage to stand up and walk out. Any other feedback? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word. We just, the tip of the iceberg tonight, just the tip of a, a pen just very small amount, but throughout the word, there is the declaration that Jesus is the Christ. There's the de declaration that it's fulfillment of the Old Testament teachings that were hundreds and hundreds of years prior to his birth. We know, dear Lord, you sent your son because your love for us is so great. Through your son, we will have eternal life. We will never die. We will give up this flesh, but we will never die, and we will live for eternity, for eternity in your kingdom. Thank you for each person here, because we need each other. We need those that will stand for Jesus Christ. We need them in our lives. We need them for support and examples. So go with us now, dear Lord, as we leave. We surrender to you. We surrender all. In Christ's name, amen.